This is the Complete Shooter Podcast with your hosts, Jesse Armistead and the founder of Complete Shooter himself, Kirk Miles. Complete Shooter is dedicated to helping young players reach the next level and achieve all of their basketball dreams. So if you want to know what it takes to be a great player at the high school, college, and professional level, you are in the right place. Welcome back to another episode of our podcast. We are recording this right as March Madness is going on, going on right now. The games are going. Um, so, how's your bracket looking? Well, how do you feel about it? I feel good about it. You know, um, I I picked a few few sleepers. Normally, I don't do that, but I picked a few sleepers that I think might be some upsets. But you know, you don't know. I mean, you you're playing one game. And one team can be off that's much better team than the other team, and the other team goes off. And you know, um, I, I it takes me back to the to the ACC championship game where Duke was playing um, uh, Virginia Tech, and Virginia Tech was just like, I mean, they had the one guy on the on that team. I can't remember his name, but. I think he was nine for eleven from the three point line, and he was just pistol Pete hot. You know, he just was not missing, and they were difficult shots, right? And uh, Duke had a little bit of an off night, and they got beat. So I mean, it comes down to like that one game; anything can happen. was fun i've watched zero college basketball this year so not one game i don't think i've so i got rid of my cable so i was usually catching it there and all i get now is highlights and i usually just watch nba so filling out my bracket i literally like no idea other than a couple gonzaga highlights that i'd seen and yeah stuff like that so we'll we'll see how it goes but feel like i usually do better when i don't know anything <laughs> i think too much and make it yeah. worse when i do make it worse there's that's so true <laughs> that's so true so anyway it'll be it'll be a, it'll be three weeks of fun oh yeah for sure for sure um so today we're talking about dealing with politics um which is something that i think is becoming more and more i guess prevalent um at every level Right, as far as high schools, um, I don't know how it was 15, 20 years ago, but when I was playing, there were plenty of kids who moved schools and parents moved houses just so they could play to a different school. And in college now with the transfer portal, right, there's a lot of switching schools and as opposed to the old mindset of just stick it out and, you know, prove yourself, I guess. So it's becoming a big deal as far as programs and kids that want to have success. And I think it comes from a, a place of wanting to be successful and having an opportunity, but there's all sorts of nuances in yeah. it. Right. And you've been part of the coaching world. Um, and so how, like, how has politics affected kind of your coaching career? Or yeah. how do you feel about that as a, as a former coach? Yeah, I I really let me put it this way. Sometimes it's confused with uh, uh, p- 
politics versus um, a coach's comfort level. You know, a coach, I know I'd get really comfortable with certain kids that I was coaching. And, and I wasn't so comfortable with other kids. And so these kids that I was comfortable with, you know, they'd been in difficult situations with me as far as game situations. And they performed well. And so you get a comfort level with right. these kids. And then these kids over here, you don't have a comfort level. And it has to do with th these kids are probably getting more playing time than what these kids are getting. And so that's probably why you have a comfort level with these kids, right? And um, sometimes I would, I would play seven, eight kids. That was kind of my thing. And then if the game got out of hand, then the other kids would get to play. But I'd pretty much stick with seven to eight kid rotation. Um, you know, I'd, I'd rotate my five player with another five player come off the bench. I'd rotate my four player with another player. So those two people would share time. And then I'd have another kid that would trade time with the one, two, and the three, right? And so I just kind of would do that kind of a rotation and, and go to eight players and really wouldn't go much deeper than that. Um, one year, I know I stuck with just seven kids and I had a real comfort level of seven. And some of the parents were, they started calling those kids, the, mech, the ki parents of the kids that weren't playing, they started calling the kids that were playing the seven kids the magnificent seven because I never went deeper than seven, right? So, you know, it's it, 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 it goes back to the haves and the have-nots, right? And the have-nots that aren't getting the play in time Usually that's one of the things that they that they say. Now, question I ask is, um, is politics real, or is it is it an easy cop out for parents of kids that aren't getting the play in time? Is it an easy cop out to say, oh, it's just political? So, is political is is politics real? in high school basketball? Is it real in college basketball? So, you know, what would your, what would your answer be to that? I would say it depends on the coach. So, I think there are situations where politics play into it. Um, I'm thinking of an example where there were two coaching candidates and one of the coaches got it and the other candidate's son was on the team so there was some interesting dialogue there, right? Mm -hmm. So situations like that. But I think majority of the time, it's less about politics and kind of like we've talked about, just kind of comfort level. And um, there's other things like how much they've seen the person committed to in the summer and stuff like that. So I think it's less of a personal politics and more of a what have you shown me and uh, kind of what level of trust do they have in those kids, right? Yeah. So that's kind of how, how I feel about it. 
Yeah, I think I would answer that question and say that, that politics is real, but it, I would also say that it's, that it's overused. Yeah. You know, uh, there are situations. I mean, I coached my own kids at the high school level. And, um, you know, uh, my daughter was a, was a junior and she, and I was the varsity coach and I started her on my varsity team. Uh, and she was the very best shooter on our team. And no, it was undisputable. Nobody could dispute that. So it made it easy on me because she deserved to be on the floor because right. of her skill level. But still, sometimes when you're coaching your own kid, that's going to be an obvious thing that parents pull out. The kid needs to be exceptional, and then you're not going to have issues. Uh, but um, most of the time, uh, you're going to have issues if you're – and it's not really fair because the kid – you know, it's not fair to the kid that that's playing for the dad, right? right? Um, but – you know, I, I've saw I've saw plenty of kids come through and play for their in high school, play for their dads, and uh, typically those kids are the better players in the system because the dad's about basketball yeah. and the kids put the time in, and he's got an advantage because his dad's uh, understands the game and knows what to have his kid work on. And for some parents, it's their first rodeo. Yeah. You know, so, but it's real. I think there is situations where where it's real. I know that uh, I coached the I coached the varsity level um, in high school for ten years, and um, that is so. Um, uh, I could say that I I didn't have a lot of that, but I definitely would say that you know I had parents that would accuse me of liking one kid more than another. You know, what I would say to parents is, you know, sometimes um, uh, in your own family with your own kids, uh, you know, you don't have any kids yet, so you don't, you don't understand this, but certain kids in your family, I've got six kids, and there are certain kids in the family that, that, that I gel with better yeah. than others. And doesn't mean I, I love all my kids the same, but there are certain kids that I gelled with easier, and the other kids I had to work harder. And so in your own family, the, you, you could say there's some politics, politics yeah. but because you gel better. So it's the same thing on a team. You gel better with certain kids, and you build a relationship with certain kids, and so you, you, uh, you try to help those kids really excel because of the relationship that was built but on the outside it looks like favoritism it looks like you know and so it's a it's a hard thing i know that one of the things that i did is i i did um a point system when i had kids playing for me and we gave we gave five points for a deflection we gave five points for a steal we gave five points for a rebound we gave 10 points for an offensive rebound. You know, I just took the things that are all done in a game and I put a value to it. Kind of what like the stickers on football helmets? Yes. Mm -hmm. And so I put a value on, on what is this worth to the team, right? 
And then I had stats kept for all that, and then I'd add up all the points. Because so, sometimes you get lost in who scored the most. But there's so many other th parts of the game that's important, right? I mean, if you have a kid that gets 10-plus rebounds a game, that kid's valuable to you, yep. right? So you got to give those things, those different things uh, a value. So, so at, the end, at the end of a game, we could go across the stat line and give a total score. I did minus five points for a turnover, right? And so I'd add that all up, take the – take what it was, and whoever had the most points in the game in our scoring system, that person was the MVP of the game. And so that way it made it, I thought, I felt like it made it fair for everybody. Right. And then that's something that I used when parents would talk to me, right? And uh, the only issue they'd come back and say to me when I would give the points and where kids were and everything else, uh, they'd say, well, that kid gets more playing time than my kid, which is true, you know. So you, nothing you can really say about that other than that kid has earned that amount of playing time. Right. So, you know, you try to do – I try to do all kind of things that just made the playing field level for everybody so everybody felt like they could compete. I know that um, when Mountain View was uh, dominant in girls' basketball – they won 10 state titles. And the coach, he did, a, he did a scoring system in practice. And whoever had the most points for the week, that's who started. And so practice was vicious. Yeah. Practice was kids showed up to compete because they were competing for playing time. Right. And then the coach could come back to the parents and say, hey, here's our scoring system. We score in practice. These are the points that these kids got. These are the kids that got playing time because of what they did in practice that week. Right. And in practice, you should more or less have the same amount of opportunities, right? For yeah. Each player, so. so I kind of, you know, I kind of like that idea because that, you know, that kind of made a level playing field and kids came to compete in right. practice. And I, I, I kind of like that when I heard that. Yeah. So that's a good idea. <laughs> Great idea. Um, so you mentioned like gelling with different players, right? And how that's can be perceived as politics. Um, so in this situation where like, let's say a kid is out of school, they're not getting as much playing time as they want. Right. And maybe it's just kind of a, a gelling thing with the coach, right? They don't really fit. Um, doesn't fit what the coach wants to do. Right. I mean, if you have a big low post and, they want coach wants to shoot threes all game and go five out then you know it doesn't doesn't fit um when do you think it gets to the point of stick through it and just kind of prove yourself and work harder as opposed to maybe it is just a situation and maybe they just need to find another coach they gel with how do you yeah. make that that decision well i think that all goes to looking at the nba uh, looking at college, and then looking at high school. And you kind of see a little bit of a trend from the top down, right? In, in, in the professional level, you know, they sign contracts. Sometimes they want to get out of their uh, – sometimes they want to get out of their contract before yeah. the contract's up, you know. 
and want to tra- want to get you know uh, sent to another team yeah. or traded or and you see that you see that out there and so I think that sends a message right and then in college they now have the transfer portal transfer portal yep right and any player can enter the transfer portal so so yeah for those that don't know you used to have to sit out a year right if you transferred Um, but now it can be pretty much immediate yeah they used to have all kind of restrictions on that right and then you bring that down to the high school level and the high school level you know when i was playing that was 40 years ago nobody did that right that just what that just didn't exist where kids transferred to other schools or parents moved nowadays kids or parents are willing to do those kind of things and kids if if they see if they see kind of a black hole of opportunity right they're not ever going to get out of you know sometimes a coach pigeonholes a kid and then that kid is pigeonholed for the whole his whole career and so you know in some of those situations if you see a black hole opportunity and there's just no way you're gonna get the opportunities that you feel like you deserve then you see more of that happening today you know you see people picking up and selling a home and buying a new home in another area and having their kid go to school there and or driving an hour to have them go to a different school. I I I went from coaching one high school to coaching another high school, and my daughter was a junior. And so uh, it was obvious that you know she wanted to come play for me at this other school. So what I what I had to do is I had to I had to establish a residence in that area. So I. I rented a apartment yep. and you know we had that apartment and established residence uh, just so there would be no issues if we got to you know usually nobody raises a stink unless you're successful yep. right and then it can come back to bite you so I didn't know how we were going to do that year that that team that I went over to the new school I went over to um, they had a six-five girl and a six-three girl, uh, but and those girls played varsity as sophomores and juniors, and I think between those two years they'd won three games. Wow. Right. So I had no idea. I, I I knew the kids. I knew I could get the kids to gel, yeah. but could I get them to gel in one year? Yeah. Right. And so I did that so that if we did have success, nobody could come back and try to hurt us from yeah. that standpoint. But so yeah, that's funny. The things things you have. And we went on to win. We went on to win region, one of the few region titles that that school has. And um, uh, it was such a such a great year, fun year. Um, we ran a high low, six three, six five, and you know we did we just and we had some shooters, and so it was just a it was a fun year and. They never even got that kind of thing going the two years before. You know, it was just like, I don't know what was going on there. But but anyway, to come in there and kind of turn that around. And, and uh, uh, so, yeah, but, you know, moving, that's a, that's, a, that's a big, that's a big deal. It's hard on kids. Yeah. 
you know, because now they're leaving all their friends that they've had for years. And uh, uh, you love basketball and you want to succeed and you don't see there's any other opportunity to succeed there, then maybe there's time for a change. But I just think that it's important not to use that as a as a cop-out. Right. So, and I think sometimes it is. Yeah, that's fair. Very fair. There are, like you said, times where it's maybe, I don't know, they're, and again, we've talked about, like, finding the right fit on your AAU team and stuff like that, right? Where, like, if you're super young and you're playing and you're the best player on your team, so you can shoot everything, and then you move to another team or get into high school, um, and all of a sudden you're not the star guy anymore, right? Then it's like, well, is that really politics, or is it just that everybody else is just as good as you now, mm -hmm. right? And so there's some got to be some way of looking yourself in the mirror and figuring out how much of it is you and how much is actually politics and I think usually the answer comes back more of it's you right yeah I've I've lived on both ends of that because I've I've lived as being a coach and being accused of politics and then I've been on the other end as a dad sitting in the stands watching my kids be on teams and feeling like that they're not getting the opportunity that they deserve and so I've lived sitting in the stands as a parent and watching that and uh, there's two ways I could go with that I could go home and I could say to my son well your your coach is an idiot he doesn't know what he's doing he'd, he'd be playing you if, if he knew what yeah. he was doing or I'd say, well, he's just got favorites, so he's playing his favorites, right? Or I could say, you know, I could give any amount of excuses like that. But the way that I chose to respond to that, and t tell me, I, I can tell you, it was eating me up inside. Because basketball is a big deal to our family. And then I watched one of my, one of my kids that I felt like was better than other kids but wasn't getting the opportunity. It just, some nights I couldn't even sleep. It bugged me so much, yeah. right? So I, I get that side of parents because I was a parent and had watched kids being coached by somebody else. But I just, I just always said to my son, I said, look, you can use it as a cop-out. You could say, well, I'm not getting the opportunities. I'm not, you know, my coach favors other kids. My coach this, my coach that. I said, we're not going down that road. Um, I'm going to say this to you. You got to work harder. You got to you got to be the very best player on your team, the very best. No question. And that's going to take a lot of work. You're going to have to bust your butt more. You're going to have to work a lot harder in the off season. And then come back with the wow factor and be that kid that is the best player on the team, right? And, and if you go and do that and you work hard, then – so I think sometimes parents miss out on a teaching moment, yeah. right? They take the easy way out instead of using it as a teaching moment and teaching the kid, look, you're going to – in life, things aren't always fair. Yep. And you can blame it on that. 
and you can you can be the victim and and live in that world or you can <coughs> you can say okay i just got to work harder i got to work harder i got to bust my butt i got to put more hours i got to put more hours in you know and so uh i think that i think that the great thing about sports and we've talked about this before but the great thing about sports is the life's lessons that you learn the things you learn that's going to help you the rest of your life right and being a victim never never you never reach your full potential as a person or a basketball player if you play the victim you can't do it if you if you sell out to that and that's what you're going to do it's not going to end well for you so I think that parents need to look at it and try to use it as a teaching moment and say okay so let's map out a game plan that's going to help you be so good next year that if there is politics it doesn't exist in your life because you're so much better than everybody else right and uh, so we just mapped out a game plan and worked harder, worked harder, worked harder, worked harder, and worked our way through it. Uh, but I, I can relate to parents being really upset. And because and I, I, I tell you, there were nights I couldn't sleep. I was so bugged, right? Um, but I had to really draw myself in and just look at what, what I could do to maybe help my son that might help him later in life and I'd say to him I'd say you know he you know he was going to go serve a mission and I told him I said you know you're going to serve mission 90 percent of what you do on a mission is failure it's true 10 percent is success 90 percent is failure so I said this is preparing you to how to learn how to deal with failure right because you and you're going to have bosses that might not like you and so the the deck stacked against you and so you know you got to learn how to deal with failure in a positive way so that it, it comes out to be you come out to be victorious every time that happens to you so so I just would stress that stress that stress that and, you know he'd come home and it'd be easy for me to you know just wrap my arms around him and find excuses for him and all those kind of things, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. So, but I don't. I don't think a lot of parents have that restraint. You know, they resort to, "Oh, your coach has favorites. Oh, your coach is an idiot. Right. Oh, your coach is." You know, they disparage the coach, right. and I that's mean, not going to do any good. Right. I mean, it, it it's a parental instinct to, yeah, protect and comfort your kids, right? Yeah. Um, Especially so the mama bears. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I was at, I can't remember where I was at. I was at a game a couple months ago, and I was sitting there in the stands, and the parents were going at the refs. I was like, wow, this is crazy. <laughs> and then I was talking to some of the parents, and they're just like, it's totally different when you have kids in the game. Like, before, like, when I didn't have kids, I was the same as you, but when you, as soon as you have a kid in the game, everything changes, right? And I think that's true about the refs and true about, the politics and the coaching as well right and you've kind of had both sides so you can kind of understand and kind of gauge there but that's so true when you have skin in the game yeah yeah <laughs> everything everything rises yeah with skin in the game 
yeah. no doubt. Um, but the thing that came into my mind when you were talking there was, um, I still haven't figured out how to say it, the Pareto or Pareto principle. If you know what that is. Um, that's kind of where you want to focus your time on the 20% that's going to get you 80% of the results, right? As opposed okay. to focusing on the yeah. 80% mm -hmm. that gets you the 20%, right? Yeah. And I think when we talk about politics, it's very likely there's some form of politics, right? But th focusing on that would be focusing on the 80%. That would only get you 20% more results, right? right? So if you fix the politics, it's going to be a little bit better, right? But instead you could focus on yourself and improving your game and that's going to get you way more results than just fixing the politics and at that point if you get all that fixed and then the politics are still ruining everything then it would be time to maybe look at finding another situation some other yeah. options um, that's what kind of came into my mind as you were talking about yeah because as a parent when do you cross that line right because you're trying to teach your kids you know, principles, to be principle-centered and a principle that you would like your kids to have is loyalty, right? right? That's an important principle. Yeah. So when does, when, when do you uh, stick with loyalty right. and when do you betray loyalty? Right. Like, right. yeah, like for example, like being married and it starts to become a bad relationship right when do you make the decision between stick it out and get through it and it's time to end it because it's not going to get better and yeah it's going to make things worse so again life lessons from basketball yeah right? yeah yeah and that's true you know i i i think that um you look at uh you look at different situations um and kids uh, I just, you know, I just keep going back, Jesse, to the, the fact that, um, you know, we have opportunities as parents to parent the kid, not side with the kid. Yeah. And too often I see parents siding with the kids and not parenting the kid. And, um... And so I just I just feel like that on the other hand, I feel like that if coaches would do a better job at building relationships with parents, then I think some of this would be this issue would be eliminated uh, because all things can be can be solved uh, through proper communication. Right. right. Like you were talking about with the charts and stuff. Right. Yeah. That's like super transparent as opposed to the coaches saying, I'm the coach, I'm going to make decisions. Exactly. Right. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's just a, uh, some coaches like put a wall up between the parent and the kid because they don't want to have a relationship with the parent because then they're going to have to listen to the parent and they don't want to listen to the parent. They don't want to listen right. to anything the parent has to say. And, um, if they would build a relationship with the parent, so the parent, because to be successful, you have to build this kind of a, and this is difficult, but you have to build this. You have to build um, a bridge between you as a coach and the parents so that you and the parents 
you're saying this to the kid at, at practice, and then the kid is hearing this at home. Right. And so it's the same, yep. right? And, and so if you can get parents to buy into that, and the only way you're going to get them to buy into that is through having a relationship with them and explain why that's so important, why that's so important that you and I aren't hitting fists, but we're joining together and helping this kid become the best he can be, right? And that's my goal as a coach, and that should be your goal as a parent. So we have that in common. So let's make a plan for this kid, right? And I think if that kind of stuff went on, then I think you'd have less and less finger-pointing of politics. You know, so, but a lot of coaches don't want anything to do with the parents. Yeah. And I think they make a huge mistake because the parent is their most valuable resource that can be, that can help them be on the same, on the same page. Right. Right. And then, and then I think you can have a successful program. When I was coaching, I put together this sheet and maybe we'll have to go over this in a, in a podcast, another podcast, but just the essence of this sheet was winning thinking, losing thinking. And so I had listed all the things that are winning thinking, and then I had over on the other side the opposite of that, of those things, which would be losing thinking, right? right? And when I coached, I coached kids, and I would ask them, I'd say, if they did something that was losing thinking, I'd say, okay, hey, is that losing thinking or winning thinking, right? And because they all knew that I quoted it, I used it, I mean, I pounded it, and kids would have to say, now that's, that's losing thinking. All right, what's winning thinking then? What's the opposite of that? Oh, it would be this. Okay, let's focus on that. Let's always have winning thinking. No losing thinking, only winning thinking. And and you get kids to buy in that, you get parents to buy into that, then I think you really are going in the right direction with uh, So we might be good to do a podcast on that, winning yeah. thinking, losing thinking. Yeah. Yeah, and again, I mean, we've talked about that before, but having like a list like that, right, again, to where you're on the same page yeah, um, is a big deal. And um, so one thing that I remember in high school, when I was playing in high school, um, we had a couple players, well, there were a couple players who were like, well, the coach has favorites, so I'm never going to get to play and all that stuff, right? Um, but there was one specific example where we got a new coach. This kid had been playing starting varsity since he was a sophomore, right? He was going into his senior year and expected to be that guy, right? but he wasn't coming to any summer stuff or any workouts or any tournaments, right? He'd show up for a game or two in a tournament and then not make it. So eventually the coach was just like, if you're not going to show up, then right, then you can't be, be the guy, right? Mm-hmm. And this kid ended up switching schools because of that. Um, but So that all reflected back on his own personal effort yeah. or lack of effort. Yeah. Right. And I think one of the things that's changed, like we've talked about, is basketball is now a year round thing, right? And so you have all this summer stuff and um, spring stuff, right? I know most schools have a basketball conditioning class that 
they want all their players in and and so if you're not a part of that and then you know you get to tryouts and you make the team but you didn't go do any of that stuff then there's obviously a different level of um i guess commitment that the coaches have seen from other players and it might not necessarily be your fault that you didn't go maybe you just didn't know about it right especially with kids who haven't been playing basketball super long right but it's kind of a well coaches and parents need to be on the same page as far as like what do i expect out of you over the summer Mm -hmm. right and i think that's where it gets a little tricky because some players are like well i'm gonna work hard this summer but they do it by themselves and then they show up to tryouts but they haven't been to any tournaments with the team and you know and as a coach maybe you feel differently but as a coach it's like well i've built this level of trust i know who these players are because i've had them over the summer and we've been through experiences together and then trying to fit in a new kid that wasn't there for any of that it's kind of just like you said you're not as comfortable with them just because you haven't been through those experiences right and and i think a lot of times that gets perceived as politics or favoritism which it kind of is right but it's based on how much time and commitment they've spent together yeah you 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 don't you can't build a successful program with with fair-weathered players fair-weathered parents right you you have to you have to uh get down in the trenches with the kids as a coach and players and be in that be in that battle together and then that's how you that's how you develop comfort levels with kids right so you know and i see i'd see this jesse i'd see parents plan family vacations during basketball season and you're just going, what are you thinking? Or during tryouts. Yeah. And so these kids would would go on a family vacation. Well, we planned this for six months. You know, this is we've been we've been really, you know, the parents will give you whatever, right? And right there you say, Hey, I can't count on that kid. Right. I can't count on him. And if I can't count on him, then I can't I can't make him one of my one of my main players. Because yeah. I can't count on him. And I can't count on the parents what they're going to do. And so parents need to be, and that's part of the reason we do these podcasts is to help parents through some of this stuff because for some parents this is their first rodeo. Right. And they don't get it. They're not basketball people. Maybe right. they're not even sports people. And uh, their family is more important than basketball. Yep. At 100%. But it comes down to the timing Make sure your timing's good, yeah. right? Uh, because, and and then those are the parents that would complain about the kid not having opportunities, you know, and about favoritism and about politics. And I had one parent that did that, and then they came to me and said, you just like kids more than others, and blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, listen, here's the bottom line. You took your kid on a family vacation during preseason basketball where I try to find what combinations are going to be best for the rest of the season. That's what preseason is all about, right? It's not about winning and losing. It's about, you know, finding and gelling kids together. 
and you took your kid during that time when I'm trying to jail kids and you took them on a vacation. I'm not against you go f- spend time with time. You're yeah. 100% right. Family's more important than basketball, but your timing sucked. Yep. And so he didn't jail with those other kids. So he never fit in with those kids that jailed because of that. Yep. So I don't think it's fair for you to, to blame politics that I like these kids more than other kids. I said, I think that, you know, you need to just understand, and, and maybe this is your first rodeo. And so you didn't really get it, and I'm sorry about that. But now you know. Now yep. you've learned, right? So, you know, um, just make sure your timing's better next yep. time. But yep. Well, yeah, I had a kid last year that took a vacation. It wasn't it was during preseason, but they had had a couple weeks, and he came back, and then he had to sit out the next three games. Because coach said, if you don't, if you skip practice, then you have to sit out. And then this year, I never heard anything about any vacations at all. <laughs> and so they were like, oh, well, that's how it's going to be. So that's what we have to and, do. And and that's that that's that's a good coach. Yep. Because he's got to send a message to all the kids, right? That if you do this, there's consequences with every action. So. And some parents get mad about that. So, yeah. again, I just think it's being all on the same page. And, and, and if you are, then I think you're going to have less, less issues. You're never going to – you're going to have it's a perfect season. Somebody, I, yeah. I had a year where I went 23-2. I went, uh, and, and, and you would think winning – and winning does solve a lot of issues. But – you would think that you wouldn't have any issues. No, right. still had issues. Well still again, had. I mean, there's still kids that are even just on the team just to have fun and they just want to play. Yeah. Right. So if they don't play, even if they're losing or winning, then they could be frustrated. So. Yeah. So you're never going to eliminate. You're never going to eliminate politics. I don't think. Right. You can. You can lessen. You can do some things that, like we've talked about here today. You can do some things that kind of help with uh, helping parents understand and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, you're not going to – I don't think you're – because there's always those bubble kids. Yeah. And it's the bubble kids that usually cause the problem. Yeah. Right? It's the kids that are right there on the bubble. They're not quite as good as everybody else, but they're not bad enough to get cut. Right. And, and they're in that position because they don't, they don't work hard outside the season right you know if you if you only work hard in the season well that's when everybody else is working hard is in the yep. season so you may, you got to make up your time in the off season and those bubble kids are usually kids that they haven't put time in the off season yeah. and i think like we talked about like you said politics are never going to go away there's always going to be some form of politics even if it's just favoritism because of shown commitment from the kids right um but it's usually not going to be the majority of the problem, right? Yeah. So if you focus on the other part of it, which is you and how much time you're putting in, then most of those politics issues go away and don't matter as much. Yeah, and winning, winning hides some of that because you can say, you can say well, look, what we're, we're having success. With what we're doing, we're succeeding. Yep. We're having success. So I'm not going to change anything that we're doing right now because we're succeeding. If you're losing, then that multiplies 
your problem because yep. now you're losing, so you should make changes. Well, look at the Lakers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's politics right there. Oh, my word. That so. is, that's, a, that's, a, that's a mess. Yep. yep. And like you said, if they, if they were winning, it wouldn't be an issue. But, you know, they're, yeah, they're you'd, say, so. you'd say it used to be known as Showtime. Now it's, I won't swear on here, but now it's a different <laughs> kind of show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not great, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, but again, there's, I mean, there's always excuses, right? But you can really only focus on the things you control, right? And once you've done that, once you've controlled everything you can control, then you can start thinking about changing your circumstances, right? Exactly. The other thing I think, Jesse, just um, uh, I think that would would help parents and kids is um, to allow the kid. Um, I know when my son was one of my sons was having issues. Um, I said, well, look, I could go talk to your coach. If you wanted, but. I don't think that's the right thing to do. I think that you need to make a meeting time with your coach and go talk to your coach and lay out the things that you're frustrated with and let him help you understand some of the things and 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 have you and him kind of gel with what, what needs to happen and setting a goal and going forward. Uh, I think when parents get involved and go fight the battles of their kids, then again, they're not allowing teaching moments to happen. Uh, I think it's important for parents to say, you know, you got to learn to fight your own battles. And this is a battle that I could go in and fight for you, but it's going to be much more effective if you go fight for it. You know, and so let's lay out the things you want to talk to your coach about and lay it out. Boom, 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 boom. Okay, now let's text your coach and set up a time for you to meet with him. So you can assist your kid in helping that happen but lay out the things you want to talk about, then get on, set a, set a, get a time, text your coach and set up a time that you can sit down and talk to your coach and go over these, these issues that you're having. And, and then you're teaching, you're teaching your, your kid how to, or your son or daughter, how to address things that you're frustrated about. And usually it's an understanding thing where the coach helps you understand more and then you help the coach understand more. And so then there's yeah. a good thing that, that happens from there. And I think the coach owes the kid an explanation. Yeah. But I don't think the coach owes the parent an explanation, right? Uh, so I think that if, if parents would do that, I think that would help too. Yeah, and I think if, if you have a good coach, right, that's going to be a really great experience. Yes. And if you have a bad coach and you go, you go and say, what do I need to do to get more playing time or like – what do I need to do? And the coach says, do this, this, and this, mm-hmm. right? Even if he's doesn't believe it, mm-hmm. right? But then you go and do all those things and you come back and say, hey, I'm doing all these things, right? Why am I still not playing? Yeah, you got to hold your coach accountable. Yeah. Just like your coach holds you accountable, you got to hold your coach accountable. Yeah. And that's, that's really how you know if it's politics or not, Yeah. right? Is if you do everything he says you need to do and then he still doesn't doesn't do it and coaches need to know how much courage 
that takes for a teenage kid yeah. to come and talk to you. Uh, that takes so much courage. And so I think all coaches should look at that and say, first thing out of their mouth should be, hey, you know, uh, I really appreciate you come talking to yeah. me. And I know it took a lot of courage for you to do this. So I admire that. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the things that you're frustrated with and then try to figure out a game plan of how we can get through this. And so if a coach would handle that the right way up front, um, then I think that it could be a rewarding experience. I'll give you an example. I, yesterday I was talking to a kid that trained with us, and he's playing Division I uh, basketball at uh, 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 Division I school in Texas. Uh, it's called um, University of Texas Arlington. That's right. And uh, I talked to him on the phone the other day, and, uh, you know, he had some frustrations with his year. He had – he had a game he went nine for 11 from the three-point line. And, yeah. You know, just he just has had uh, some good opportunities, but had good success, but didn't have enough uh, opportunities where he was able to touch the ball. He's on the floor a lot, but, you know, they weren't finding ways to get right. the ball, so he was frustrated with that. But we got talking about high school coaches, <coughs> and he told me, he said, you know what, he said, um, he said, I really – I'm thinking about maybe being a high school coach because my high school coach, and get this, my high school coach was horrible. It was a horrible experience being around him. And it almost, it almost destroyed me. Um, and I would like to maybe go in coaching to make sure that that never happens to kids that I coach. And uh, I tra I was training him through all that stuff that was going on with that coach. And that coach would say things that would just blow me away. One of the things he said to the kids is, you'll never be as good as me. You'll never, you'll never, and none of you will go play college ball like I did. You know, none of you are good enough to do any of that. What, 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 what do you gain right. by saying something like that? You might think it. But you would never say that. You would say to the kids, look, I played college ball, and this is what it took for me to get there, and this is the price that you have to pay, and if you pay this price, you can get there too, right? Instead of doing it that way, he was like, I'm better than all of you. Well, what is that accomplish? Who? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's just, you know, of course he ended up getting fired, but – but, you know, that's that, that relationship that you can have, and we talked about this, that the relationship that I had with my coaches, um, really it was meaningful to me at that time in my life. Yeah. And they were, those coaches became some of my heroes in my, li in my own personal life. And I think that's the way a coach should be, right? And so um, – if coaches would approach that right and admire kids that come in and talk to them. And, and you know, I think there needs to be a preseason talk to all the kids one-on-one. -on -one. I think there needs to be a midseason talk to all the kids one-on-one. -on -one. And there yep. needs to be a ending season one-on-one -on -one talk so that you're really on the same page. Because coaches will make decisions but not explain to the kids why they made that decision, right? And then this kid over here – is all upset because he doesn't know. He doesn't know why. 
And so I think if coaches were great communicators, really worked on their communication skills, then I think that their program would be so much more quality. Yeah. And I think you'd have less political issues. Yeah, I agree. And I think we should probably note that most coaches out there do a good job. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're we're kind of talking about some bad examples, but a uh, majority of coaches, I think, do a good job. And if there is perceived politics, it's not intentional. Yeah, I think it's probably a 70-30 where 70% of the coaches out there, you know, want to make a difference. Yep. You know, I people ask me, well, what do you look for in a coach? What, why would you pick this guy or this guy? And my main thing is just give me somebody that cares. Give me somebody that cares about my kid, that, that wants to help them become better than they are. Give me a coach that cares about winning. Give me a coach that cares about, that cares about having the kids learn life's lessons. Give me a coach that cares. And I think that that's the key ingredient to a successful coach is that they care. Yep. Yeah, and I think most, most coaches fall into that category. I especially agree. Especially high school ones, right? You don't get paid a lot to do that. Yeah, so you don't do it for the money. Yeah. Because between, I figured it out once, and for all the time you put in the season, all the time you put in the off season, all the tournaments you go to, all the stuff you do behind the scenes, you're making maybe 10 cents an hour. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, it's definitely a, a, should be an act of love. Like we talked about, I think politics are real, right? But it's usually not something you can control. And if you focus on what you can control, that usually works itself out. That is such good advice. So I think that's a that's a good way to end this one. So we've been rambling on for over 50 minutes already. So Wow. Um, it always amazes me that we can take this a topic and, and just go off on it. So. Yep. That's so good. Pretty awesome. But, again, we start with basketball, but always ends up at life. So, and that's just the, the great thing about basketball and, and sports in general is how much it crosses over into the rest of our lives. So, um, everybody out there, make sure you're, this is a great episode for basketball players, for non-basketball players. Um, it'll benefit anybody who listens to it. So, hopefully you, you listened and you listened well. I don't know if anybody takes notes on these things, but that would be pretty impressive. Um, but really great stuff. So think about it. Think about how it, it applies to you. As a parent, think about how you can, like Kirk mentioned, use it as a teaching moment. I think is a big thing for the parents as well. Um, and again, I think it all this stuff makes a big difference, right? Consistently applying these small principles makes a big difference. We can give a big amen. Absolutely. All righty. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you guys next week.